yeah, I'm glad I did it once. It's not going to necessarily be like, oh my God, the Tulip Festival, if you don't go, what are you even doing? But it was, it was a nice outing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A nice way to spend a day. Is that in Surrey? Chilliwack. Chilliwack, wow. Chilliwack, wow. it took me an hour to get there. Yeah. Yeah. An Which is why it's not. good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we stopped at various places on the way because I'm like, this is too long of a drive for me to pay attention. Was <laughs> <laughs> a tulip festival? That's really fascinating. Yeah. Surprised. I didn't think we would grow tulips that well here. Hmm. Um, but they looked really pretty. They're really nice. Okay. I guess we've got a climate similar to the Netherlands, surely. I guess. I never really thought about it. Not that the Netherlands is where tulips come from. That's just where they they grow well. A meme. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just where they took over the economy. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I was gone most of yesterday. So today, Conan is like, play with me, play with me, play with me, play with me. Play with me. <laughs> I got to jump. I got to jump real high. I need you to play with me. <laughs> I got to fit a walk in here sometime today. Uh, th- this book is sort of like going out for a walk in a sunny park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I keep coming back to this book because it's just like, it's just fun. It's just fun. It's fun so to read. Wonderful. I actually, I mean, I have a, I have a bone to pick with you, John, which is like, uh, we went through two miserable years of a pandemic and you didn't suggest that we read this while we were in lockdown. <laughs> There's still a pandemic. You can still read Yotsuba. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> oh, I just, I, I, yeah, I actually read these incredibly quickly and I was just like, oh, this is just very like pleasant. What a nice, pleasant, <laughs> what a nice break. This is a nice, a nice little break I needed in my day. Welcome to Trade Waiters. We are reading Yotsuba, Volume 1 and 2 by Kiyohiko Azuma. Let's, uh, let's do our character revealing question first, right? Uh, so I have a question. The question is, uh, tell us something that you thought was wonderful and amazing when you were very young, as young as possible for the purposes of this question, that is, in hindsight, kind of ordinary and mundane. And I have an example so that you both have time to think. All right. Uh, okay, I'm JD. And uh, when I was very young, I lived in Medicine Hat, Alberta, which is as close to a desert as Canada gets. Uh, we lived in a suburb at the very edge of town and there's no trees. And there was this big plot of land that was like, excavation for the purposes of turning it into more suburban houses and there were these giant dirt piles and one of my earliest memories is how much fun it was to go to the dirt piles and climb around on these dirt piles that's a great that's great <laughs> it's like oh man this pile of dirt rules uh that kind of <laughs> it like so I was, it was as big as a house probably I, wasn't i was uh struggling until you said that and yeah, like when I was a kid, uh, I'm Jam. I grew up in Montreal and I grew up close to this uh, old mansion that was turned into a community center called Stewart Hall. And some of my my best memories are hanging out at Stewart Hall because they had this big willow tree that was like so cool. It was right next to the lake. And like sometimes the tide would go out and you could go down on this like concrete thing. And sometimes the tide would go in and then the concrete thing would be covered. That was so cool. But uh, the thing that I remember the most is that they had this hill. And as a kid, I'm like, this hill is so gigantic, but like, it's a modest hill, you know, (laughs) like it's a modest, like raise of land and uh, grass. And my favorite thing to do was rolling down that hill, which, you know, like if you try to replicate as an adult, you're like, oh, ow, ow, my shoulder, my hip. Oh my God, this is so painful. You, You cannot replicate the joy of being a child rolling down a modest hill. So that's what I remember. (laughs) <laughs> uh to be young and made of rubber 
I'm sure there's a physics thing involved, like mass to surface area or something. Right. Yes. <laughs> my bones. I gotta say, I I see my nephews like horse horsing around, bouncing off of things, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like, I don't know how you're surviving this, but good for you. But uh, yeah, no. So my family have a cabin at Point Roberts, and as a kid, I always used to love going to Lighthouse Park, which is like walking distance from the cabin. And it had this like amazing playground with like a tram that like went all the way across from one corner to the other. And it was so high off the ground. And like, you know, uh, there was like a three-story tower you could climb up. And if you look down, they'd painted an orca on the boardwalk. And so amazing. And of course, like, you know, now that I'm older, I mean, to be fair, the playground's been replaced with like a playground that wouldn't seriously injure children. So obviously it's not as fun as it used to be, but um, <laughs> like just, yeah, I, I went back to that space where the playground was, even though they've replaced all the equipment and it's just like, oh, this is quite small. There's no way that tram was very high off the ground. Like this is just a regular playground, nothing to see here. Yeah. But that was my favorite one of my favorite places to go as a little kid. And I mean, it's been replaced. So it's like, it only exists in my memory. I can't have it debunked. Uh. <laughs> so wholesome. Thank you for the wholesome question. Katie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, I can tell you a little bit about the creator, although in typical manga fashion, not much because manga artists tend not to uh, post lengthy biographies. Kiyohiko Azuma was born in 1968. Uh, the other work he's well known for is Azumanga Dayo. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, what did this artist cut their teeth on? <laughs> uh, Azumanga Dayo, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's, uh, I've read it. It's not as good as Yotsuba. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's fun, though. You can see the seeds of it. Where yeah. It's also interesting in that Azumanga Dayo is all done in neon coma. So yeah. it's like these four-panel comic strips, uh, which is part of why there's not much story in it, because it's just like comic strip with a punchline, comic strip with a punchline. Near the end of it, it gets kind of more of a story to it. but And that's what my favorite part of that book. But uh, yeah, I think maybe, maybe that's format just got too small for his ideas or something i don't know but you could, so much better yotsuba you can tell that it's not it's not a freshman comic it cannot mm. be it is an expert level comic uh and yeah so that's what i was curious about <laughs> uh and uh, yotsuba apparently started as a web comic believe it or not uh, I went online to find it the uh, whatever the official original version was is gone but people have posted like bootlegs of the original webcomic it's really short it's just like two short chapters basically uh it's called try 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 and it was in 1998 which is like i didn't even know there were webcomics in 1998 that's pretty early and then yotsuba started like the actual yotsuba that we were familiar with started it in 2003 it's still ongoing there are currently 15 volumes of the book that oh, wow. have been published. I've only read half of them. Uh, and it's published in Dengeki Dayo, which is a shonen monthly comic publication. Uh, and I thought the, the fact that it's monthly is interesting because I, I'm more familiar with the sort of the shonen jump weekly comics, which seems like an absolutely insane pace to expect to keep up. Monthly yeah. monthly chapter seems like much more achievable for everyone involved, readers and yeah. and uh, artists. And you could probably get like a really satisfying chunk. Like each of these tankoban has like four-ish kind of chunks to them. Are there seven in each one? Wow, seven seven chapters. I think. Let me look. Volume two starts on chapter. The point uh, being, the champ the chapters do feel slightly more hefty than what you would find in a weekly. Yeah, like, that's I know true. that I know that we have discussed this, especially with superheroes. But you also see it in 
uh certainly like the manga of like that that are serialized in something like shonen jump like naruto like the the chapter chunks are quite short mm. uh almost too short i find and so i i find these chapters were very very satisfying mm-hmm. and they're like self-contained stories basically too which you don't see yeah. very often yeah anyway yosuba are we getting into it yeah like what what are your thoughts oh my god g-o-a-t level comic uh i i love this comic i love it to death uh this is going to be one of our really boring episodes where everyone says like it's great uh but what amazes me about yotsuba is that it does Hmm, let me back up a bit i struggle with stories that are about or for children usually i struggle with that that genre because it doesn't portray the world in a way that I personally feel like I can relate to, but something about the way Yotsuba is written, like Yotsuba is just a little off. She's like just a little weird. And the way that she sees the world is just so full of wonder. And it, it reminds me more of my childhood than any childhood related work I've ever encountered. Hmm. So I, I love this work. Yeah. Well, this is, so you, I think you guys have both read this previously, right? Yeah. yeah, this is my introduction. Um, and I will say like, yeah, I definitely uh, was very charmed with the character of Yotsuba. And like, uh, I agree though, Jam, like I made some notes where I, I think early on, I was just like, is Yotsuba an alien? Um, because <laughs> they make reference to Yotsuba being an orphan who was found by her caregiver and like always doesn't seem to understand what some very like doesn't understand how a swing set works like, yeah what island where can like you that? come from that where you've never seen a swing yeah um but then i also thought like maybe there's an implication that maybe she just comes from a really sad part of the world where a little kid would never get to play with a swing set like uh but i don't think the work's necessarily interested in plumbing those depths so like i whatever like yotsuba's a mystery but that i think act- actually adds to the appeal of the character um and i i i sort of it was a little off-putting at, at the start but then ultimately i actually found the yotsuba not knowing anything was endearing to the story because the story is really about explaining to the reader and it's like if you're a little kid reading this it's like yotsuba's Yotsuba knows less than you as a little kid. And so then you read the story and you're like, Yotsuba. And then you like, you learn something too. Cause not only do they explain it to Yotsuba, but they add a little more onto it, you know? Like, so <laughs> um, I think that was pretty good. Now I said it was going to be a short, fun episode though. I have some, I have some notes. I have some notes. Okay, I'm interested. I'm interested um, in the notes. So uh, I actually, I'm. I, you guys can tell me if I maybe like, uh, this is just me reading it cold. Um, I'm wondering if maybe you're, you guys are seeing this through some rose-colored glasses, but like there were a couple uh, scenes, especially with like Jumbo uh, talking to uh, Fuka, who's 16 years old, and basically flirting with her. And, and uh, I found, especially with Fuka, who again is 16 years old, there's three sisters, right? There's one that's like eight, there's one that's 16, and there's one that's like maybe like 20. And of all the sisters, Fuka seems to be the one that they make comments about her body, comments about her weight. There seems to be these awkward situations that come up, like where like Fuka gets her shirt completely soaked or she gets stuck in a bathroom window. And I just found it a little just a little creepy and maybe that's just me bringing some baggage from like my experience with Japanese culture and past manga readings but I was just like I feel like the author kind of has a thing for Kaho like I feel like the artist kind of thinks Kaho is really attractive and then some of the characters are giving voice to that and when you think about the fact that it's grown adults talking about a 16 year old's body like they go to go swimming and like they specifically like, I think Jumbo is just like, oh, I'm really disappointed. Your like 20 year old sister isn't here in a bathing suit. And like Kaho's like, well, I'm here. How's my body look? And he's like, yeah, it looks okay, I guess. Like, or yeah, it looks pretty good. And then she's like, oh, he thinks my body looks good. Like, I, I don't know. There was like an, 
a layer to this that I was like, a li- I found a little bit disturbing. And I did a little bit of uh, additional research. And so I just wanted to uh, tell you guys that I found out that Yotsuba got picked up by Scholastic. And, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And so there's a Scholastic version of Yotsuba, but all of the scenes with Jumbo talking to Fuka are cut out. And so mm. basically like any any idea any any inkling that these men have any sexual interest in anything is cut out of the scholastic version uh which i was like that actually seems like the superior version if you're going to have this uh for children to read so i mean and again i i found it really charming i think the artist is super talented but i did i just there was a little tiny undercurrent of a few little scenes where i was like maybe we could just cut that out like and it's just like one or two pages, you know, where it's just like, maybe just those could go and then we'd have a perfect comic. Yeah, I agree with you uh, that those scenes are definitely what we would call etchy. Uh, and there's a broader conversation to be had about etchy in general, <laughs> maybe. And I think that it's just like, as a as a frequent manga reader, it just kind of like washed over me in a way that is like, I probably should like resensitize myself to that. Uh, but it definitely, like it did give me pause as well. Like, come on guys, Fuka, come on, she's 16, you know? It's like, we don't need this. Uh, and I agree with you as well that it's like, I think cutting those out would make a superior version of this work in general. I, I understand why someone would want to market Yotsuba to kids. I don't think it's necessarily, so this does not to excuse the ecchi with Fuka. I think regardless of that conversation, the tone of Yotsuba in general, to me, is more appealing as an adult reader than it would be as a young reader. Mm-hmm. Because a young reader is, is closer to Yotsuba. And what I find so magical about this work is that it manages to rekindle that sense of childlike wonder. And because everyone else in the comic is an adult and is kind of like taken aback by Yotsuba and her naivete, like I find a lot of that magic would not necessarily translate to a younger reader. Mm. Uh, It would be appropriate for a younger reader, definitely. Like it's, it's other than this edgy. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to find. It's it's so funny that you said that this artist is as a Manga Deo's artist because there's a little bit of undercurrent as a Manga Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, I think there's less of that as Yotsuba goes on. Like, I'm not so sure Jumbo should be interested in Asagi either because I still feel like there's kind of an age gap there. Yeah. Like she's in college, but like he's not. It's unclear how old he is, but he's definitely older than Asagi. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, and I, I think, like, with the, the stuff with Fuka, like, they, they do make a lot of comments to her, which don't need to be there. Like, I didn't read any of that as being flirty on their, on, like, Jumbo or Yotsuba's dad's end, but still not appropriate. I mean, I, I definitely would say, I think some of it is a little bit, um, and I'm not, like, an expert, but, like, I always hear from friends that in their Asian families, their family members comment on weight with not the same tact that we would comment on weight in North America. And so I do wonder if like, that's maybe an aspect of this is that it's just, it's Japan and like, hey, you've got a little fat and that's just like how we talk to people. But maybe just because it's this, maybe I'm just putting a little bit of 2020 baggage on this where like, it's a 16 year old girl and it's like, Oh yeah, I don't know. Like maybe you're not as attractive as you should be. Like you. <laughs> no, I mean I, I noticed that when I was reading it too. It's it's <laughs> it's there, and now you have to work around it, I guess. Yeah, it's a totally valid note, and I think both things are true. Is that it's it's both a lot more common to find in Japanese media and Japanese life in general. Whether or not that's okay is a it's a conversation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it's a it's a nuanced and complex conversation that happens a lot in a, in a number of different circles. Yeah, because I mean, like we're we're bringing our uh, our norms uh, and our cultural expectations to a work that comes from a different place. However, you know, it's like you're commenting on the body of a 16 year old adolescent in like a sexual way, like culturally or not, that should be something we should talk about. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, and, you know, yeah, I think Jam, you made a good point about the audience. I was surprised when I found out this this was in a shonen magazine because they're like, yeah, it doesn't feel like shonen at all. Like I had read somewhere, and I don't remember where this was, that it was a Jose comic, which kind of made more sense to me because that would be for adults. But like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I enjoy it. I think it has a wide potential audience, but I would not. I would not describe it as a book written for kids. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a good point. And like, yeah, I, I, I you already mentioned it, but yeah, I, I, that's the other thing I had read is that it originally was in a men's magazine, which is kind of, Oh, and I thought, isn't Joe say women's magazine? No, I thought it was a, I thought it was a shonen. Oh, well, shonen, boys. that's boys. For boys. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it wasn't, written i don't yeah i don't i don't think it was for a, a, a female audience it was for a male audience that's yeah if it's in a shonen one but yeah uh, i don't i like i said i can't remember where i had read that I'm, and I'm, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me because as manga dio was like quite big and quite popular and it was also kind of like a shonen gag i think mm, a shonen mm-hmm. gag thing so it doesn't surprise me if the author then went on if like hey i have a new thing and then like the same kind of shonen gag network is like yeah we'll run it we want to read your stuff and it it tonally doesn't quite fit but everyone like it's just so so lovable (laughs) no it's like yeah that would make sense imagine like you're reading a shonen magazine and this comes up you're like well this is weird but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say no to cake yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) no i i I think i mean i think you made a good observation jam which is just that like the for me reading this i think why i it still resonated with me a lot like don't get me wrong is yeah i think yotsuba puts you in that childlike headspace a little bit. And so it did make me think about being a little kid and that the way that you're, the world just seems so much more simple. And like, like I can't remember if it's volume one or volume two, but like, I, again, maybe this is just because of the the era we're in, but like the, they have this sh- scene where like Yotsuba comes into the neighbor's house and Yotsuba's like, oh, it's so cold in here. And she's like, oh, well the, We've got our air conditioner running. Just like an air conditioner. What's an air conditioner? Oh, it's this machine that makes the air colder. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And then Yotsuba goes up to see, I think it's to see Anna. Anna? Oh, that's it. Yeah, it goes to see Anna. And then it's like, Anna, your your room's so hot. Do you not have an air conditioner? It's like, oh, I have an air conditioner. I don't, I just don't use it because of global warming. It's like, what? What do you mean global warming? Oh, well, you know the use of the electricity is going to increase the temperature of the earth. And then Yotsuba just freaks out like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> and, and then she comes home and her dad's got an air conditioner too. And he's using the air conditioner. She's like, Oh my God, my dad's a bad person. He's contributing to global warming. Ah, and she, then like, they have to like kind of give her a, a false narrative to, just wrap her head around this that like well it's okay it's okay to use an air air conditioners make the air cold so that'll stop the global warming as you run your air conditioner and it balances out and it's fine and then she calms down but it's like you know i think about when the world was that simple right and, and that and and yet like i feel like even though it's like a little kid working this out like you know i'm like yeah like it's hot i would want to run an air conditioner but ah there are consequences and ooh ah like it I don't know. It's like, it was interesting to sort of have, and again, it's actually kind of depressing for an early 2000s comic is talking about global warming, you know, and you'd think maybe in 20 years, we would have done something about that. Nothing. (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah. Just, it, it, it sort of gets you thinking about the world a little bit differently where like, you know, it is just filtering things through a child's, kind of innocence and i mean i think that's why i kind of i mean again like there were those like etchy scenes but i think that i was able to kind of forgive it that and move forward because i'm just like ah that's not really what this book is about like it it's it's a little bit it's going a little bit of a weird tangent on this page but now we're like back to things being kind of innocent again and it's fine you know like they never cross a line and that's maybe important <laughs> yeah I wouldn't be it's interesting that you said that that uh JD that that peters out as the comic progresses and it wouldn't surprise me if it was kind of shoved in in an attempt to make sure it could find an audience hmm. right because Yotsuba is a really really unusual book there aren't 
a lot of comics like this about kids from like about a child from a child's perspective but as i mentioned like it kind of feels like it's written for adults Mm. um and like charlie brown like charlie brown was never for kids yeah 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 that's a good comparison although like i would i would uh Charlie Brown characters kind of speak with an adultish kind of voice. That's the big difference. You're yeah, right. Yeah. That, but but same kind of same kind of vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't surprise me, for example, like we said, Azumanga Dayo was very big and it had a very established audience. So like the and a very particular audience, like an audience that would be really into someone hitting on Fuka. Yeah. So it's like this edgy is just kind of like it's the cheesecake. Yeah. So like in in anime terms, we call it cheesecake that there's like a certain degree of uh, fan service that you need to have in a work for it to be accepted by certain demographics of the anime audience. Which is not great. <laughs> not mm. great, not a great thing, but it's just, it is what it's it is. It's a thing though, yeah. Uh, business. And yeah. it makes me happy, especially because that this was a risk that it found its audience in Yotsuba itself, you know, like in, in the wonder uh, with which Yotsuba is portrayed and they were able to reduce that and still like have it successful and continue for 15 volumes. I mean, it's, it's like either that or I've blocked that out of my memory. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Both are true. Both are true. Like etchy like off a duck's back, you know? <laughs> but speaking of like getting better, volume two does significantly, I think, even get better. Like I, I think the adventures themselves got a lot better. Like just this first chapter where they go to go drawing and they're comparing drawings and they're talking about how everyone's drawing sucks. <laughs> like I was just like, oh, this is like every artist, just like everyone's drawing and like, well, you this sucks. Oh no. I'm my Yeah, drawing- and it's like that's what kids are like too. Kids are not easy on each other. Like the fact yeah. that uh Enna and um Mira need to teach themselves to be kinder to Yotsuba's drawings is like, yeah, there, there's, there's no expectation going into this that they would know they have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. But even would... earlier in that book, like the kid logic of like, I want to draw Jumbo. Jumbo's really big. My paper isn't big enough. So I'm going to go outside and draw like a chalk drawing of Jumbo just so I can get him like big enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then he looks like a chalk outline on the pavement. <laughs> I also I also like that ultimately they decide that Yotsuba's drawing of Jumbo on the sidewalk was the superior drawing because it conveyed the scale effectively. Uh so therefore it's a good drawing. Like <laughs> but this is this is what I mean about I don't think Yotsuba is necessarily a comic for kids. So the the crux of that joke is that a chalk outline is something that you draw around something someone that's been murdered, right? Right. Is that something a child would know? Mm. Depends on the age right. of the child. You're definitely not someone Yotsuba's age. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. So like if, if Scholastic is pitching this, I mean, like no, yeah. I mean Scholastic get paid like whatever you're gonna you're gonna sell a ton and people are gonna love it but i i personally maybe i'm just bringing my own baggage to it i think it's a con for adults personally (laughs) (laughs) um i have like brought yotsuba to classrooms like i don't put them in my class because i don't want to share my copies they're for me but uh i have shared it with kids the only trouble that 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 i ever found out of that was kids then having to learn how to read backwards because this was their Mm -hmm. first manga right first flipped or first yeah like proper direction manga right i was gonna say you know on that earlier note jam that like the in chapter two i think the second chapter it's yotsuba watching a revenge movie on tv and then picking up a water pistol yeah and systematically going character (laughs) by character and assassinating them with the water pistol and like I found myself, I was reading it. And at first I was like, oh, this is kind of dark. Like it's this little girl, like, all right, you're dead now. And then you're dead. And like, you're, you're not quite dead. And I'm going to finish you off. And I was like, oh, geez, like this is like, yeah. In terms of it being for kids, I was like, oh, this is dark. But then I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny because it was sort of parodying gritty shoot 'em ups and, and also, also, this is the kind of thing kids would do. Like, exactly. Well, exactly. Yes. It, it it thought it, it hearkened me back to when I was young, and 
I remember me and my cousins, we had water pistols and we were playing cops and robbers, but we were like acting out whatever we'd seen in whatever action movie. And my cousins used to watch like lethal weapon and stuff when they were 12. And so our parents were so disturbed by what we were saying and doing that they confiscated our water pistols and told us we had to play something else. And so we went down to the beach at Point Roberts and we found driftwood. And let me tell you, if you find a driftwood with a little bend in it, that's a gun. And so we had a whole arsenal of driftwood and we just continued to play cops and robbers with driftwood. And our parents were like, okay, this is pointless. Like it's not about the toy gun. It's about the media we've had our children consume. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, the, the type of person, well, I think none of us are parents and we all loved it, but for me, like it has a perspective of the, from a writer's perspective, like the writer feels like he had a daughter and was observing his daughter and remembering how he was as a child as well. That's kind of, that's how this work feels like it was written to me uh, with like a deep, deep sense of empathy for that child wonder, right? Mm. And I I love that about it. Uh, But one thing I wanted to mention about that particular uh, chapter is, is it Asagi, the oldest? Yeah. Yeah. So what I love about Asagi especially is like, she's the only one who doesn't put up with Yotsuba. (laughs) <laughs> right probably because she has two younger siblings <laughs> but everyone else kind of like plays along with Yotsuba of like oh you're you're shooting us all with a water pistol in our house like you just barged over and now you want ice cream like okay but Asagi is like I'm not putting up with this at all you know like she'll like turn around the weapon she's like I'm bigger than you you know <laughs> like I have way better reflexes and now you're dead you know <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the way that the way that that chapter ended was like amazing and I think I this is like it's a lo- lovely little touch, but it's just like Asagi is has Yotsuba on the ground and is just spraying her with the water pistol, and then just takes a minute to uncork the back of it and just pour the contents <laughs> of the gun out onto her. <laughs> That's a very I have younger two younger sibling energy. I love it. Yeah, and I want to say that uh, I think this is probably the funniest manga I've ever read. And I'm sure that a big part of that is just that the jokes are of a type that translate across language and culture well. Like yeah. it's a lot of physical comedy. It's a lot of like Yotsuba doesn't understand the world. It's really basic things. Like it's very different from say a Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei where like oh, the whole yeah, book yeah, needs yeah. like pages and pages of footnotes to explain all the puns. Mm. Like, you don't need that in Yotsuba. It's just like these jokes translate. Yeah, it's like Yotsuba doesn't know what a doorbell is. You don't necessarily need to understand the nuances of how someone introduces themselves in Japanese, but you know know what a doorbell is. That was such a good bit. Actually, I I made a note that I was going to say this this page made me laugh out loud. It's a podcast. We can't see what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, I'm showing you guys first. This is Yotsuba's dad is having a nap, and then Yotsuba takes a Sharpie and draws a beard on him and then decides to add raccoon circles and like (laughs) color in his nose and just like I don't know just when I turn the page and like you see her dad with the like scribble on his face I just like fell out of my chair laughing like I don't know just yeah I've read solid comic pacing (laughs) I've read this three or four times and I still laughed out loud picking it up like it's alone in my house you know like it's it's a it's a really really funny work yeah, I was reading, I kept reading after getting through the first two volumes. So I was reading volume three and there's a, a scene where we finally get to meet the, the neighbor's dad because he doesn't show up in the first two books. And so Yotsuba sees this strange man in the neighbor's house. She's at the neighbor's house every single day. And she sees this strange man in the house and she's like, who is that? Friend or foe? And Asagi shouts out, foe! And immediately <laughs> Yotsuba runs to attack him. <laughs> well, that's that's that ties in well with the end of book two when asagi <laughs> oh it's too bad uh dad isn't with us anymore and then everyone else in the family's like dad's not dead he's just at work and she's like oh well he works so much i forget sometimes 
And I and was like, the, the panel pace, like the way the panel composition reinforces that because it was this like yeah. shot of a, a suitcase in a corner with like no people around it. Yeah. Like very sort of like, this is a metaphor for him being absent. Like, nope. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I made a note to myself, like, this is like the most Japanese thing is just like the, the dad's working so much that the children think he's dead. Uh, I've, I've visited Japanese households where that's basically the case. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and our foe. <laughs> I love so much. I love how every chapter of this book is just kind of like you were saying at the beginning, John. Like it's so mundane. Everything that happens is so mundane. There's no real plot <laughs> to speak of. It's like, yeah, like the title chapters are perfect, like Yotsuba and air conditioning or something. I don't even remember what they are, but they might as well be. It's like, yeah. I learned about air conditioning today. And when you're a kid, that's like the most monumentous thing to happen in your day. <laughs> and you're like, cool. And there was a little touch uh, where Yotsubo was drawing and her dad was asleep or something. And she had drawn pictures of the bugs that they had caught in the chapter before. And I yeah. thought that was, that was so cute. That was so cute. <laughs> oh man. Like, remember that bug? Remember when we released all those bugs in your house? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that, I mean... I think like there's equivalents in North American culture with like fireflies, but like the catching cicadas, like, man, like Japanese childhood seems so built around cicadas and like catching cicadas. Like that's just, I was never even a child in Japan, but like from the two years I lived there, I'm just like, oh man, cicadas are like a big part of Japan. They're a big part of summer in Japan and they're a big part of kids' lives in Japan. Okay, this is like from a future volume, so maybe it counts as a spoiler, but uh, just to sort of wind back to the Cicada chapter, uh, later, it's only in, in a later volume that Yotsuba learns that the noise that cicadas make come from those bugs. So at this point, oh. she doesn't realize that they're the same phenomenon. <laughs> Oh, interesting. <laughs> because this entire chapter without ever having dispelled that myth. Oh, oh that's cute. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, and I love how in the beginning she's like, I'm a skater. Or like she, she sees a guy up in the oh, working right. the power lines and he's like, oh, it must be a cicada. I'm going to be a cicada. Like that kind of logic. Just, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to take a minute and I just wanted to be a translation nerd. Please do. I have some notes so, as well. So I just borrowed these two from the Cloudscape library, and I didn't realize that volume one is published in 2005 by ADV Manga, but volume two is published in 2009 by Yen Press. This is and, the bane of my existence because the spines don't match and I hate it. Yeah. Um, so reading volume one, I thought the translation was fine, but then reading volume two... Yotsuba doesn't say I or me. Yotsuba says Yotsuba. Yotsuba is very hot. Yotsuba is hungry. You know, Yotsuba, which is actually more accurate to probably how Japanese people would speak. But then the other thing is I noticed there was a lot of phonetic cutesy language from Yotsuba in the Yen Press version. So instead of saying the chef, it was sheaf. S-H-E-E-F, right? Um, yeah, and... in, in my translation, she calls it global warming. You know, like yeah, she says yeah. It a little bit more phonetically. Yeah, and, and so I'm assuming that in the original that Yotsuba probably also did some funny pronunciations like that. And so I feel like my impression is that the Yen Press team did a better job of bringing the... Uh, the accuracy of the work across like maybe ADV was more of a straight translation and Yen Press just added the those little flares to it to just give it a little more flavor to the language that's uh, an, an interesting observation because I was going to take the opposite perspective my like in the the Yen Press version they use all the uh I forget what they're called the, the things you add to people's names like Chan the and suffixes whatever. yeah yeah honorifics the honorifics that's what it is they, they add all the honorifics and I felt that that was not a good choice. Like it feels much more relatable as an English speaker to read it as if they're speaking English without all these hmm. functions that don't exist in English. That uh, and I'm not sure that would be the case for every single work, but for this work in particular, 
I feel like it took me a little bit out of the story to have those in there. I didn't notice that, but I feel like that's something that just passes like like the etchy stuff it just passes through me and i'm just like oh yeah you know because i used to be jay coon and you know i had you know t chan and whatever like you're just like oh yeah coon chan san like i'm yeah. with it i get it but like yeah i agree probably just dropping that stuff would make sense the only the only thing that stood out to me in the yen press that i read was just that they yotsuba specifically had a unique voice right which I mean, that sounds that's a good argument. Like I, I can see that. Because none of the other characters have that. It was just Yotsuba. And so I was mm. like, oh, well, that seems like a stylistic choice. And I I'm in I'm on board for that if you have a, if you want to have one character mm-hmm. with a way of talking. Yeah. But I would agree that yeah, you want to really make it as universal as possible. Yeah, for this story, because it's about the universal yeah. universality of childhood or whatever. Yeah, it makes sense to just like push that angle. Yeah, it's very common in um, manga translations to keep honorifics uh, because often there are some nuances of plot related to what honorifics are used and how and when. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree with you. It doesn't really make sense for this work. And I guess it depends who you're translating it for. But it was it was similarly like just kind of watched over me of like you know we introduce a character we refer to her as Onesan and there's a little footnote it's like it's Onesan because it's an older sister it's like yeah I know <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah I mean I, I like a book with footnotes I feel like this is a book where you want to make it like make it need as few footnotes as possible yeah I it's it's interesting yeah because do you want to treat it like a manga like it's very similarly right you know where uh the first chapter they chose to do these kind of etchy things and it's like it's because it's a manga and we have to we just have to have a you know a certain quotient it's like cancon you know <laughs> and uh uh but does that make sense for this work we don't uh-huh. know like they, they decided maybe maybe they decided no no later on and maybe in subsequent translations we can make different decisions with how this work is treated uh-huh. but yeah i mean i think overall like it was fairly accessible. Like, I think the only thing that I needed to check the footnotes for was, I think, in volume two, they're speaking rudely about Fuka's appearance and Fuka's banishing them from her house and throws a handful of salt as they leave. And I was like, what is that? And then I had to look in the footnotes and it's like, oh, that's how you purify a space from evil spirits in Shinto. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's cute. I like that, but I totally didn't understand it. <laughs> uh, it it's, it's really cute as, you know, we were describing earlier how it is kind of a universality of experience, but it is really an interesting lens through which to examine or learn about Japanese culture mm. because mm. there's this naivete and like there's some things that you just don't understand, but like it feels very quintessentially Japanese with, you know, the way they run their lives, what they do, you know, I went to Okinawa for vacation and I brought you back traditional sweets from the region. Cause that's, you know, that's a very Japanese thing to do. You know, <laughs> I went to the sea and. <laughs> Gifts is very much a Japanese thing. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do like some favorite moments? Cause uh, I absolutely love the part where Mira like finds out that Yotsuba is terrified of these like scarecrow things. Oh, good. <laughs> like there's these like eye-shaped things that I guess people put in their uh it's a, a rice field, like a little rice field, which personally I feel a strong connection to that because like Taiwan they have like these little rice fields right in the middle of the suburbs instead of a lawn as well. And I guess they maybe they have that in Japan too. Oh, so if someone has like this scarecrow thing and as, as soon as Yotsuba sees that, like it's supposed to scare birds, but boy, does it scare Yotsuba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this other kid like makes a costume of that uh, and then goes and scares Yotsuba as like, it's the scarecrow from the field. It's come to get you. <laughs> yeah. That was, and that was a callback too, because in volume one, they're at a grocery store or a, sh- a shopping center and Yosuba sees the, that, uh-huh. that thing. And it, and she freaks out then, but then in volume two, yeah, you see it in practice. And then, uh, Mia, was it Mi- Mira, 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 um, yeah. Wants to decides to play the prank. And I liked, I liked how that played out because Mira shows up 
and first shows up at um, Yotsuba's house and the dad is just like, oh, hello, strange person wearing a mask. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm looking for Yotsuba. Oh, well, she's not here. Okay, bye then. Like, it just, <laughs> like he just rolls with it. But then when, when it all plays out, like Yotsuba's crying and like, it's just sort of like, Mira's sort of like, oh, this isn't even a fun prank. Like, I'm just making somebody cry. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think well, that was one of my favorite scenes as well, but for different reasons. Because I think the first thing that happens is Yotsuba brings the frog, yeah. and the frog doesn't freak out Ina, but it freaks out Miura. Yeah. And so, like, Yotsuba's trying to like freak out Miura, who's trying to freak her out with the scarecrow. And then she starts like hitting her with a bear and the bear starts breaking. And then like, Ina starts freaking out and like everyone is screaming and it's complete chaos. And it's like, oh my God. And then the the best denouement to that scene is then it, it cuts to Asagi on the beach in, in her vacation, just like, oh, it's so quiet. <laughs> and then there's, there's also a callback energy <laughs> there, there's a callback later when they go to the zoo and Yotsuba is also afraid of the owl because the oh. owl's eyes look like that scarecrow oh. I think my favorite moment was from the air conditioning scene where it's just like the perfect misunderstanding of Yotsuba coming home of like dad do we have an air conditioner and he's like yeah actually we do. It's such so good. You've never seen one of these before because grandma didn't have one either. Here it is. Hooray. And then Yosepa starts crying and he's like, <laughs> yeah. what's happening? Oh my God. And it's just like, I can't because of global warming. And he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> the absolute chaos. Like this, yeah. this is so minute in the plot, but it's also very chaotic. And I really love yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I've, like the smallest stakes crises you could imagine. But it's it's like life with a kid is like that. You know, like <laughs> every once in a while on Twitter, you see things that's like, why is my two-year-old crying today? It's because uh, I gave her a piece of cheese and unwrapped it, but she wanted to unwrap it herself. This, <laughs> right. is, the, this is the world ending crisis of the day. Right. And I can't, if I give her a new cheese, it doesn't count. Right. <laughs> it's too late. It's over already. Right. It's over. It's done. Right. <laughs> I've listed quite a few of my favorite moments already, but when they go to buy cake, I thought that was just quite cute. And then just like something about just going to a fancy shop to buy fancy cake, um, again, feels very Japanese. And then the scene where Ina is scrutinizing to try to find the perfect piece of cake and just the way they draw her face, I'm just like, I just love the, like, again, we talk about world ending crisis, but like the intensity of like, <laughs> this is the cake that will determine the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, the expressions, I think the reason that I, I call this an expert level comic, despite its simplicity, I think it's actually really, really hard to depict those simplistic moments in a way to capture that energy really precisely uh, to great comedic effect. Like there's, there's so many expressions in this comic, uh, especially with Yotsuba. Yotsuba is extremely expressive where she'll be like staring very wide eyed and like just being like totally shocked. And then the next second, like she's like on the verge of crying. And then like the next second she's delighted. And, you know, like these subtle changes are just so hilarious. Yeah. Um, and like so much, like such, such an improvement in art ability from, Azumanga Dayo to this in terms yeah. of expressions yeah uh, and then the backgrounds I feel like the backgrounds like I don't know if there's a back there's my guess is there's probably a background artist probably uh, but this is such a good background artist the backgrounds are so important to this story because it really grounds everything so in, in this sort of like very real mundane setting mm. that's really true I feel like yeah. if these had been a lot more simplified in terms of the background it would just feel kind of uh, thin maybe yeah mm. yeah yeah no the um 100 i think these are like this is like really quality comics like quality manga but just like quality comic like the pacing like um just like little moments like when yotsuba discovers the doorbell for the first time i think there's like four panels of yotsuba slowly <laughs> reaching and not quite able to push the button on the doorbell. And it's just like, that is like 
that is so beautiful for comics. It is like a beautiful, we were talking about pacing in the last episode. It's like, just like those four panels of just like trying to reach the doorbell. It's like, that's comics. That's just nailed it. It's so great. Yeah. And the fact that it's all physical comedy, like physical comedy, doing that in comics is like such a unique thing. Like you can't use skills from film to do that in comics. Cause like, you've just got these static panels. You have to have like, uh, there's the panel where she's like going up the escalator and she's like leaning over the edge and someone's making a comment like, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea. And then immediately the next Wham. panel is she's <laughs> banging your head into this thing that has a sign on it that says you will bang your head into this thing. <laughs> like all in just one panel. Like that would be yeah. totally different if you were doing that in a, a medium with motion. Yeah, it is It is slapstick comedy. The other comic that I, I really love for this type of slapstick comedy is around Mo One Half, but it is uh, it is very uniquely done in comics and this timing of like which moment you illustrate and how you how you uh, depict these kind of reactions or impacts makes a huge, huge difference. And this is expertly done. Oh, poor Yitsuba. <laughs> and I love how like she bangs her head, but it's like, it's okay. And is like, I've never seen anyone do that before. It's like, it's just kind of like the perfect, this is why I, I, one of the reasons why I say like, it feels like a parent wrote this of just like that, that total anxiety of like, obviously I'm not going to let my kid you know, bang their head into the escalator. Who's this dumb sign for? And then like you turn around and your kid is like riding sideways up the escalator. You're like, how did you get there that fast? Oh my God. <laughs> you maniac. <laughs> I just read the, like I said, there was there was a web comic that was kind of the first uh, first iteration of this story. And there's a scene, which I don't think made it into the, um, the actual comic where Yotsuba finds one of those like, you know, when there's a, a train crossing and there's like a barrier that comes down. So when the train is going, like, you're not going to like go through the intersection. Yeah. And so Yotsuba like hangs onto the, the train barrier thing while the train is going by and then the train leaves and it goes up and she goes with it. Oh God. <laughs> and then she's hanging on the top and she does this like with one of the other characters and like, then like, of course she's freaked out by like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. And then in the next scene, her dad is looking for her and then we see like her feet come in the panel and then she's done it again <laughs> nice oh that's awesome i mean that's you know, an agent of chaos like one of the one of the things we commented like she feels like an alien she's just so weird but like and I, it's was, interesting I was that, a weird kid like that that jeff said that because i've that. read that so i don't again i don't remember where i saw this but i saw someone at some point make that exact same observation as oh it's like she's an alien so yeah yeah. i mean i don't know it's like i i think by the end of the second volume i decided she's just a weird little kid but yeah Yeah, i kind of like that it's not explained like i don't want it to be explained (laughs) yeah and i was wondering as well like well where is she from you know she's from an island to the left is it like the philippines you know like and uh the dad's a translator so it makes sense that he was overseas but it's like at times it feels like he's translating english but really he could have been translating anything so it's like yeah i like that it's not explained um it just leaves you to have your gears turn and pick up on clues in a fun way (laughs) yeah i mean i think at the end of the day it doesn't matter where yotsuba's from it's really about the kind of wonder of yeah like what Yotsuba is experiencing. But that's also true in like a really wholesome way. Like it doesn't yeah, oh, yeah. matter that she's an orphan, you know, she's ours right. now is kind yeah. of the gist of what yeah. it is. It's like, I'm taking care of you now. I'm your dad. This is just the way it is. And yeah. uh, I really, really like that about Yotsuba. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, with, again, with the exception of, of a few key uh, key scenes, I would say this is probably one of the most wholesome manga that I've ever read. <laughs> like it is very just like isn't it fun to just go to a park you know you're like oh, that's nice. <laughs> let's catch bugs today because yeah. i decided and i'm going to like orchestrate everyone around do you have any nets nope do you have any <laughs> yeah. do you have any cages nope you'll buy that for me it's like oh okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> somebody is very lucky that there are this many people willing to indulge her schemes yeah she's a really lucky kid (laughs) (laughs) all right uh, fun read any final thoughts 
I love this book. Uh, this is, I think, a as we mentioned, like a, a masterpiece of comics, but also a really easy one to approach. So uh, I was remembering in our in our panel, Van Calf, a million years ago, uh, we recommended this as one of our like first comics that you could give to someone, and I still think that's true. I still love this this book. Broad recommend. If you haven't read Yotsumoya, you're missing out. No, I, I, yeah, I think this is a great comic. I think just for like analysis of pacing and sort of setting an atmosphere, I think any cartoonist could learn something from this. I think if you're going to give this to a young reader, go with the Scholastic edition. But, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, want to go i have up to volume seven on my shelf and now i want to go read the rest of it nice i only have uh up to six and uh i was glad that past me went back because like i i read one and two somewhere and then i ended up going on buying four five and six and uh at some point i decided well obviously i need one and two this is just something that i'm going to read over and over and i'm glad past me got it so that i could go back and reread this one Picked up a couple extras from the studio. So. Okay. <laughs> Shout outs. I've been reading lots of dense books, so I haven't been reading enough, but um, I was going to just, I feel like I don't, I hope I haven't already referenced this, but I was going to shout out uh, a YouTube essayist named Maggie Mae Fish. And she does really, really deep dive film analysis and pulls out really interesting themes between two different works and ties it together in really interesting ways. Just, I don't know, for like narratives and like digging into the deeper themes of a work. I think if you're doing any writing, it's worth a watch. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a few of hers. Uh, they're good. Uh, I haven't seen them all because often they're on movies I haven't seen. So she does do a lot of spoilers. So you should watch the movie first. Yeah, watch more movies. Jason. Unless, unless it's uh, movies, whatever. Unless it's unless she's doing a breakdown of Zack Snyder, just watch it. <laughs> don't need to watch those. Uh, all right, I'm going to shout out uh, the Arrival by Sean Tan. Oh my God, so good! Another. Uh, I've been using it in my classroom. Uh, we're gonna build a whole uh, production around it. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a good book. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, useful for classroom use. Uh, took a little convincing for, for me to talk them into the idea that a book without any words still has like a narrative and a theme, but we're getting there. Wonderful. Oh, that's a good book. Uh, I'm Jam. Uh, this time I'd like to shout out something that I think I've mentioned before. Uh, it's a series called Descending Stories, Showa Genruko Rakugo Shinju. Uh, but if you Google Descending Stories, you will find it. Uh, it is, so by contrast, Yotsuba is like a fantastic beginner manga. Descending Stories, I feel, is like an advanced manga. Like, it's a really, really interesting work. It's 10 volumes in total. I recommend starting with the manga first. It's about Rakugo. Did I mention this before? I like a uh, comedic storytelling that's of the Edo period in a traditional, it's, it's like a very traditionally Japanese art. And the plot of the narrative follows uh, a master of Rakugo storytelling through his life in the 1940s all the way through the 1980s and into like the modern era as this art is maybe dying. And I feel like it has, like, the, the interpersonal relationships are so subtle. The history is so interesting. The plot is really complex. Uh, and the storytelling is just really, really beautiful. Like, the manga is beautiful. And then I went and watched the anime. And the anime is also fantastic, but for different reasons. So, like, I recommend the manga first, but then the, the anime brings so much literal texture, sound, and color to it 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 rearranges the story in a in a slight way uh i'm i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with this story so if you've never heard of it i was like mad that i'd never heard of it so i'm shouting it out now descending stories showa genruko rakugo shinju find it read it 10 out of 10 hey, i don't think you have shot that out before 
good. I I literally could talk about this for hours. <laughs> Our next book is going to be uh, Mara Internum by Dershing Helmer. The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. We'd like to thank Sleuth for the music. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Also, we have a coffee and uh, people have donated money. We are like a uh, quarter of the way to like paying our hosting costs for the year. Thank you, everyone. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. That's really huge. Yeah. Thanks, guys. 